Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Now, for you listeners who are not familiar with Spencer, Iowa, this time of year in September is known around here for the Clay County Fair. And the Clay County Fair is known as the world's largest county fair, bringing in well over 300,000 visitors every year from across, from across the country and from across the globe. My wife and I even got to see Josh Turner in little old Spencer, Iowa in a concert the other night. So for us, Spencer is a hopping place. People are excited about the fair, especially after not having it last year because of COVID. But in our gospel story, we find a much different event, a much different type of environment for this 16th Sunday after Trinity. In the gospel reading today, we encounter a funeral, which is the exact opposite type of atmosphere from what we have outside here in Spencer right now. And yet this funeral will become even more joyous than any fair Spencer has ever known because our Lord interrupts it and brings the dead back to life. That's what we have this morning. And now we turn to our matin service with the hymn, Father Most Holy.
open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. It is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land oh come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker for he is our god and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one, O come, let us worship him. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart and I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. The Old Testament lesson for this 16th Sunday after Trinity is written in the 17th chapter of the first book of the Kings, beginning at the 17th verse. After these things, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. She said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, you man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to memory and to kill my son. He said to her, Give me your son. He took him out of her bosom 
and carried him up into the room where he stayed and laid him on his own bed. He cried to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought evil on the widow with whom I am staying by killing her son? He stretched himself on the child three times and cried to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, please let this child's soul come into him again. The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down, out of the room into the house, and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, Behold, your son lives. The woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the Lord's word in your mouth is truth. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth thy glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. The epistle is written in the third chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the thirteenth verse. Brothers, therefore I ask that you may not lose heart at my troubles for you, which are your glory. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, that you may be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner person, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, to the end that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be strengthened to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know Christ's love which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, O Lord, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding, that I may know thy testimonies. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the seventh chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a city called Nain. Many of his disciples, along with a great multitude, went with him. Now when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, one who was dead was carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Many people of the city were with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not cry. He came near and touched the coffin, and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I tell you, arise. He who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he gave him to his mother. Fear took hold of all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. The report went out concerning him in the whole of Judea and in all the surrounding region. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week was my first week back to work since my father had died. As a pastor, I know that the Lord will use this experience in my ministry to connect with others. But as I returned to my study, I decided not to mention anything about my father's death directly in my sermons, because I don't want to run the risk of making what I preach about myself. And last week, I was able to do that. But then this week, I sat down to read the gospel text, and just two weeks after my father's funeral, here in the gospel text is Jesus interrupting a funeral. How can I avoid talking about it now, when the gospel text forces my memories, as it has all week, to the forefront? So don't ever let anyone tell you that the lectionary isn't timely or relevant, because it always is. Now here is the opening of our gospel lesson. It says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Now picture for yourselves the scene that that this paints. A widow, having lost her husband, now has lost her only son. She is not only weeping, but the Greek says she is wailing, howling through her tears. She is beside herself as her son lies lifeless on the bier ahead of her. The community does all they can for her, but there is no comforting her. They can only mourn with her, as their men serve as pallbearers, bringing her son to her husband in the grave, into the land of the dead. And there is where she is going to be forced to leave them both. In church we often ask, or we sing, O death, where is your sting? Well, here in our text is a picture of death's sting cutting deep. For anyone here who has lost a loved one, this picture, this scene, dredges up our own memories of when death's sting has cut us. As we see the woman wailing, it reminds me of my own wailing, because I have wept and wailed many times over the past month. I did it when they took my father's body from the hospital, when I took my mother back to my childhood home. As the memories of my father haunted and flooded and overwhelmed me at every turn, I wailed when I returned to Spencer and collapsed in my wife's arms. Yes, I wailed. And many listening, I bet, have as well. As we see the woman reach out to touch the face of her lifeless son on the bear, we can imagine her wanting her son's eyes to open from that deep sleep, She wails, wanting his face to feel warm with life. And that's what it was like at my father's visitation. When I stood there looking at him in the casket as if he were in a deep sleep, I so badly wanted his eyes to open, for him to wake up, sit up, and talk to me again. Of course, I knew that was ridiculous, that it wasn't going to happen. I'd witnessed my father die. I knew his body had been embalmed. I knew his eyes would not open and that he would not sit up. I knew that was impossible. Yet as I stood there with my wife and children dressed in my clerical, 
I wanted nothing more. Nothing more than for him to open his eyes. I was like a little child wanting his dad to wake up. I was hoping for the impossible. I clung to it. I wanted to touch him and feel the warmth of life in him, like when I held his hand the night before he died and he squeezed my hand back. But as I kissed my hand and put it on his cheek, his skin was cold as steel and just as lifeless. Which is no different than what many of you have experienced at wakes or visitations. In this text, we see the men of the community serving as pallbearers, leading the procession with the young man on, on, the, on the buyer. His mother following the community behind her, and it's really not so different from how we do it today. My cousins served as pallbearers, grieving with us. They loaded up the casket onto the hearse at the church. They traveled with it all the way through town as we followed. They unloaded the casket as they brought it to my father's open grave. At the funeral and in the procession were many from my hometown of Newton, which was like this village of Nain. They were unable to comfort us, but they mourned with us. All they could do was say, I'm sorry for your loss and, and grieve, because there is nothing that we or they could do to bring my father back, just like there was nothing that the people of Nain could do to bring this widow's son back. Because there is nothing we can do to overcome death. It comes to us all. St. Paul says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Well, it's right here in this picture. It's right here in this story. Here we see the sting of death in the bewailing widow. Here we see grave's victory as the community goes to bury her son, unable to do anything else. And many here listening who have buried a loved one, it's not just me, anyone who has buried a loved one, they have felt the sting of death and the grave mocking us in victory. Anyone who has had to leave their loved one's casket at the graveside, leave their body at the graveside, knows what it's like to have your loss become the grave's victory. Death stings. The widow felt it, we feel it. And we, on our own, are powerless against it. However, that is not where the gospel ends. That might feel like where our funerals today end, but that's not where the gospel ends. It goes on. It says, And when the Lord saw the widow, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Now the story, the gospel story, up until this point, told of a funeral that we can all relate with. But at this point, it can feel less relatable. When Jesus arrives and interrupts everything. It's been said that in this story, there are not one, but two miracles. The second one is obvious. We'll get to that in a bit. But the first miracle happens when Jesus tells the widow in his compassion, not as an order, but in his compassion, do not weep. Notice when Christ comes to her. Christ comes to the widow 
in her suffering. And there he performs the first miracle with these words, do not weep. And miraculously, (laughs) the widow believes his word and stops weeping. Try that at a funeral sometime. Tell the people to stop weeping in your compassion. It won't work. But at Jesus' word, the widow believes and stops weeping. The pallbearers believe his word and stop the procession. The crowd believes his word and stops in their tracks. The first miracle in this story is that Jesus, with simply his word, stops death's victory march dead in its tracks. Because Christ's word is not a dead word, but living and active, full of power and life. Then Christ performs his second miracle, telling the dead young man, Young man, I say to you, and in the Greek it means, Awake and arise. And at this word, the young man awakes, His eyes open, his flesh becomes warm, he sits up, and he begins to talk. Again, do you see where Christ meets this young man? He meets the young man in his suffering, in his death. And with a few simple words, Christ removes the pain of death from him. Because Christ, by his word, took all of the young man's sin and death into himself. And then he brought that sin and death with him upon the cross. And on the cross, he there died the death which he took from this young man. And Christ, by these same words, brought the miracle of his resurrection to this young man. He gave him life anew and returned him to his mother. Christ's word has power in this story because of his death on the cross and his victory over death in the resurrection. Christ's word has power because he suffered the sting of death for this young man, and his death turned the grave's victory into his own victory, which he gave to this young man. Yet still, as we read this story, we can feel (laughs) cheated or shorted. After all, there was nothing which interrupted my father's funeral procession. There was no moment when his eyes opened and he got up and began to speak no no matter how much I desired it. No one saw Christ in the flesh and blood and his pity come and whisper into our ears, Do not weep. That's a great story for this widow, after all. But what about for me and you and all of us that have felt the sting of death and suffered loss to the grave? What about us? The truth is, we ought not feel cheated or shorted. Because as we look at this text, we see that we're living our lives in these last days between the first and second miracles. You see, Christ, by his incarnation, by his becoming man, came to us in our suffering. He still comes to us in our suffering to interrupt death's march. He came to rob the grave of its victory. Just as Christ spoke to the young man and took the young man's death upon himself, so Christ has also spoken life into you in the words at your baptism that you received in the waters. It is in baptism where Christ meets you in your suffering. And in the waters, your suffering, he makes his own. And his righteousness in the waters, he makes your own. 
so that your death in the waters becomes his death and his life which he gave up on the cross becomes your life and his resurrection will one day be your resurrection. You may look at your loved one's funerals and ask, where was Christ? He was always there. In the funeral sermon, there Christ was in his word telling you in his pity as you cried, do not weep. Do not wail. Every time you come to church with your sorrows, there is Christ in the absolution, in the forgiveness, saying, Do not weep. I've forgiven you. And there is Christ in the sermon saying, Do not weep. I've died and risen for you. And there is Christ in the bread and wine, in the flesh and blood, saying, Do not weep. Here is my body given for you. Here is my blood shed for you. Take, eat, take, drink. And in eating and drinking, we are strengthened against the sting of death in this that we suffer in this life. And here's the amazing thing. In our mourning, in our grieving, in our wailing, in this veil of tears which bears us down with the weight of the impossible, we hear Christ's word and we believe it. Even as our loved one's bodies lie in the ground, We hear Christ's words and we believe. That which is impossible to believe, we believe. Because by the death and resurrection of Christ, we know that all things are possible in him. Even as we continue to weep in this veil of tears, we still believe. Because there is Christ with us always saying, Do not weep. With God, in Christ crucified, nothing is impossible. Which is why we believe. Which is how we have hope. Which is why, here in the confessional Lutheran tradition, we outright reject any celebration of life services. Because in those celebration of life services, people come to celebrate the life that was while completely ignoring the death that we on our own can never overcome. Oftentimes, such services want to ignore or bypass the sting of death. They ignore it because they know it's impossible for us to defeat it. But no matter how much one celebrates at a celebration of life, the sting of death will at some point cut deep, no matter how much we try. So instead, we have funerals. Funerals force us to come face to face with death and the grave and its sting. We don't avoid the suffering, and there's a reason for that. We don't avoid the suffering because it is in the suffering where our Lord comes to us. It is in the suffering where he is found. We don't have to bypass suffering or death or ignore it. Because in the midst of our suffering, there Christ comes to us saying from the cross, Do not weep. The victory no longer belongs to the grave, but to me, and this victory I have given to you. And here's the thing about our funeral services. They're the only services 
in which us pastors conduct it, but we don't end it. Our funeral services, whether you leave the service here at the church or there at the graveside, it doesn't end. And we pastors show this by staying with the casket, staying with the body at the graveside until everybody else leaves. Because while everyone else leaves, Christ doesn't. The service doesn't end. You see, while we pastors start the funeral service, it is only Christ's to end. It is his to end when he comes again and interrupts it. When he comes again and touches our caskets and tells us to awake and arise. On that day, when he comes back, my father's eyes will open and he will awake. He will become warm with life. He will sit up. He will talk again. As it will be for all of our loved ones who fell asleep in Christ. That is why, before I left the graveside service, I was able to trace the cross on my father's casket and tell him, I'll see you at the resurrection. Because of Christ's word, I believe that. I believe it like a little child. Because in Christ, the impossible is possible, and it will happen as his word has spoken. And on the day he, he returns, when we wake up and arise with all the saints, we will be just like these crowds in our story where it says, And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding countryside. You see, on that day, Christ will give us back to our mother, the church, so that we too will praise and glorify God in all fear and reverence. On that day, Christ will tell you in his compassion, do not weep. And on that day, he will wipe the tears away from your eyes and will never cry again. But until that day, let us not avoid or be afraid of the suffering or death. Instead, may we find Christ in that suffering. For that is where he comes to us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Of the apostles, pray.
twist upon thee to deliver me when didst humble thyself to be born of a virgin and thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers thou sittest at the right hand of God mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let thy mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day, to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord and let my cry come unto thee. Lord, 
We pray you that your grace may always go before and follow after us and make us continually to be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, 
Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise him and magnify him forever. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil and that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please Thee. Into Thy hands we commend our bodies and souls, and all that is ours. Let Thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto Thee. Bless we the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
thank you for joining us on this Matins podcast this morning. And if you're ever in Spencer visiting for the fair, stop on into church with us sometime. We'd love to have you. And if you are in Spencer, come join us next week for our Rally Day Sunday, where we will kick off our Sunday school program as we and as we continue to strengthen our focus on building a culture of catechesis here in our congregation and also in our homes throughout the week. We'll be back next week to celebrate the 17th Sunday after Trinity, where we'll hear the healing of the man on the Sabbath and the parable of the wedding feast from Luke 14. All the music for today's podcast comes from smallchurchmusic.com. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church in Spencer or at CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this service, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for these podcasts or would like to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses at the top of the bulletin, which is included in a link with this podcast. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.